0: Beto O'Rourke drops out of the race. Mayor Pete declares himself a top contender, and Elizabeth Warren's dishonesty keeps coming back to bite her. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Go check them out at expressvpn.com/shapiro. Again, that's expressvpn.com/shapiro. All righty, so we have a lot to get here today. too, here today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Forgive me if I'm slightly foggy, got off a 16-hour flight with my children back from Israel to Los Angeles. That is a long flight with small children. And then my kids decided it would be great to have like sort of a midnight festivities. They got up at 12 midnight and we're up from 12 to 3. In the morning. So It's been a bit of a party. But let's jump into the news of the day. So the news of the day, their latest news polls that show that, that President Trump is lagging behind Joe Biden. So This is the great story of the Democratic campaign thus far. The candidates who are most likely to beat President Trump are the ones who are also the most likely to be sidelined by the Democratic electorate. So all the people in the primaries who are doing the worst are the people who are most likely to do pretty well against President Trump, with the exception of Beto O'Rourke, whom we will get to in just one second, because we have to bid a fond farewell to Beto. You can go back to smoking dope and eating Arizona dirt and all the things that make Beto Beto riding that skateboard around. We'll get to Beto in a second, but there's a new poll out from Fox News, and it shows that in a hypothetical matchup, Joe Biden continues to top President Trump nationally by 12 points. According to Fox News, Democratic primary voters increasingly feel the need to nominate a candidate who can beat President Trump in 2020, and more think Joe Biden can do that than any of the other top Democratic hopefuls. In addition, while most Democratic primary voters are satisfied with their field, more than a quarter wish they had other options, which is why there is a new snap poll showing that Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton, if Hillary were in the race, would be running similarly at the top of the ticket, meaning that Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden would be running very similarly nationally in the Democratic primaries, which is why I've said Hillary's a fool to stay out. I mean, what is she risking her? here, Her her? incredible reputation for victory? Like, what's the worst that happens? She runs, she loses, and then she becomes a nine-time loser as opposed to an eight-time loser. Like, what what exactly does she have to lose here? Biden leads the nomination race with the backing of 31% of Democratic primary voters, according to this new Fox News poll, followed by Elizabeth Warren all the way down at 21%, Bernie at 19, and Pete Buttigieg all the way down at 7%. In early October, Biden was at 32, Warren, Warren 22, Sanders 17, Buttigieg 4. Kamala Harris and Andrew Yang are each at 3%, followed by Cory Booker, Tulsi Gabbard, and Amy Klobuchar. Now, as I say, Klobuchar would probably do better against Trump. Gabbard would probably do better against Trump. Maybe even Booker would do better against Trump than somebody like Elizabeth Warren. Biden would do best against Trump among all of these nominees. And he is the person who is apparently fading in these early contests. And if you look at the polls in Iowa, if you look at the polls in New Hampshire, what you see is that Joe Biden is fading in a lot of these state polls, even though he's doing well nationally. He's actually up Over the past few weeks in the national polls, he's actually increased his lead over Elizabeth Warren in the national polling. He currently has an eight point eight percent lead in the real clear politics poll average, which is kind of shocking because if you were to just follow the polls for the last month, you would have thought, okay, this thing has really narrowed for Joe Biden, but it, it hasn't narrowed for Joe Biden. In fact, precisely the opposite. As of a couple of weeks ago, Joe Biden was up only five points on Elizabeth Warren. He's now up eight points on Elizabeth Warren. There was a point in this race where he was up at 28% in the Real Clear Politics poll average and she was at like 23. If you go back just even slightly before that, there was a point in the RCP average, and this point is early October, where his lead had disappeared entirely. As of October 7th, 2019, Elizabeth Warren had actually overtaken Joe Biden in the national polling, and now she seems to be receding back to where she was. Now, on a state-by-state level, Biden is not running as strongly as he is on the, on the national level. On the state-by-state level, the latest poll from New York Times-Siena poll, this came out October 30th, shows Elizabeth Warren at 22, Buttigieg at 18, Biden at 17, and Sanders at 19. So he's running fourth in that poll. In New Hampshire, similarly, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are seen as the two contenders there. A CNN-UNH poll from October 27th had Elizabeth Warren at 18, Biden at 15, Sanders at 21, Buttigieg all the way down at 10. So all the things that make Joe Biden attractive in a general election matchup make him utterly unpalatable in a primary election. Now, as we will see, that is, that is not enough for somebody like a Beto O'Rourke, right? The, the fact is that being, you sort of have to bridge the gap. So on the one hand, you have to be seen as somebody who is capable of defeating President Trump. On the other hand, you have to be seen as radical enough to win the base. Biden is not seen as radical enough to win the base, which is why he's fading in some of these early states, even as he does really well nationally. And then on the other hand, we have to bid a fond farewell to Beto, the time has come, brah. So th- this is sad, and when I say it's sad, I mean I'm, I'm I can't almost stop laughing. Beto O'Rourke ran a very passionate campaign. Started off as like a number two contender, and then they just dropped it off the map, just no. And everybody in the Democratic Party kept paying him homage. They kept saying, "Well, he's saying the stuff no one else will say." Yeah, yeah, that and five bucks will buy him a bad cup of coffee over at Starbucks, according to the New York Times. Former Representative Beto O'Rourke of Texas announced on Friday he was dropping out of the presidential race, ending a campaign in which he struggled for months to recapture the energy of his insurgent 2018 Senate candidacy on a national stage full of other big personalities and liberal champions. Let's be real about this. Beto's failure in this race had almost nothing to do with Beto. Really, I'm... I know. I'm defending Beto. It's, It's a thing that's happening right now. Get him on the phone and let him know. The same guy who I said if he came to my house and tried to remove my children from me, that I would defend myself. That that guy, I'm defending him. The reason I'm defending Beto is because Beto's candidacy was always media created. And now Beto's candidacy has been ended by the media. That's really what is going on here. right? Beto O'Rourke was always a figment of the media's imagination. He was imaginary. He was, he was a leprechaun of politics. And he was created full scale by the media. He was created entirely by the media, ground up. And he was created that way to fight against Ted Cruz. And then Ted Cruz beat him. And then Beto O'Rourke went back to being what he was, which was kind of a loser who had never served in a position of high politics and who was way out of his league nationally. And the media shifted their allegiance over to Elizabeth Warren, as we will see. So that was not about Beto, right? Beto did his best to capture the headlines. He did his best to be the guy who was speaking truth to power. Right? He'd be out there saying, of course I'm gonna take your guns, brah. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, I'm gonna shut down your church, yeah. And the media would cheer. And then they'd be like, yeah, but you can't vote for Yeah, but you can't vote for him. According to the New York Times, his campaign has been under extreme financial strain. O'Rourke's advisors concluded that proceeding in the race might have meant making deep cuts to his staff in order to pay for advertising and other measures to compete in the early primary and caucus states. In just one second, we'll get to more about Beto O'Rourke and his tragic demise in this race. First, let's talk about your sleep quality. And I'm not talking here about your mattress or your sheets. I'm talking about like, Sleeping to stay alive. So there are a lot of people in the world and in the United States who suffer from sleep apnea. In fact, my dad suffers from sleep apnea, and that means that he is reliant on a CPAP machine to ensure that he's getting enough oxygen to keep him healthy. Well, one of the problems with the CPAP machine, they're wonderful. One of the problems is cleaning them is actually kind of a pain in the butt, and this is why you need SoClean if you're using a CPAP machine. SoClean is the fast, easy way to maintain your sleep equipment. So clean maintains your sleep equipment without the hassle of taking your equipment apart. So clean gives you the peace of mind knowing that your sleep equipment is properly maintained every night because what you don't want in there is mildew and gunk that you're breathing in. So clean is the fast and easy way to maintain your sleep equipment. It's easy to use. You just put the equipment in, you close the lid, you walk away. The so Clean is convenient, user-friendly. So clean has approximately 9,000 five-star reviews. It really is fantastic. Right now, for our listeners, you can go try so Clean risk-free for 30 nights, Even shipping is free. So don't wait. Go to SoClean.com to take advantage of this 30-night risk-free trial and free shipping. Again, that is SoClean.com. Once more, SoClean.com. Go check them out right now. They'll make your life better. It'll make your sleep quality better. Make sure that you are breathing in the cleanest air while it is providing you the oxygen you need to stay alive. Go check them out at SoClean.com. Okay, so Beta O'Rourke's campaign basically ran out of money, and it ran out of money because he just was not capable of drawing the kind of attention that he drew in that race against Ted Cruz, mainly because he wasn't running against Ted Cruz anymore. And the media fell more in love with Elizabeth Warren. The Democratic primary is really a story about who the media decides to fall in, in love with. So for a moment in time, Joe Biden, they were never in love with, right? Joe Biden was the hallmark of a of a bygone era, right? Against Trump, he's fine, but he's really like this oldie, we don't need him, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, she She's somebody who makes the media members feel really good about themselves because she's a sophisticate, don't you know? She's an intellectual, don't you know? And we're going to get to Elizabeth Warren in in just one second. Bernie Sanders, they're leaving behind too. Bernie was the romantic pick in 2016. Now they've decided to leave Bernie Sanders behind. They've decided to move on to Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg, who they are also very much attached to, because not only is Pete Buttigieg intersectional, right? He's a gay man. But Pete Buttigieg is young and he's vibrant and he rips, rips on Christians on a routine basis. So... When you watch the Democratic primaries, what you really have to understand is that the media have done an excellent job picking who they want to be the nominee for the Democrats. For a brief moment in time, it was Kamala Harris, and then it sort of went away. In fact, I think there's something to be said for the idea that Donald Trump's nomination in 2016 was actually a reaction by Republicans to the feeling that. The media had had a large hand in controlling who the Republican nominees were in 2008 and 2012. There was a feel that the media had really boosted McCain in 2008, that they had really boosted Romney in 2012, that there were hardcore conservative candidates who had been basically ripped to shreds by the media, and that they were not going to listen to the media this time around, and so they picked Trump. In the Democratic Party, it's the opposite. Whoever the New York Times editorial board decides they love, that's the person who is going to get all the benefit, all, all of the upside. But before we bid a fond farewell to Beto, we have to read his thank you note. He's, he's written a long thank you note from the road, brah. And we would be remiss if we did not pay this final tribute to Beto. He says, our campaign has been about seeing clearly, speaking honestly, and acting decisively in the best interests of America. Was it though? Was it, was it not like you just kind of jet setting around being useless and saying crazy stuff that you then had to backtrack, but then not backtrack? He says, though it is difficult to accept, It is clear to me now this campaign does not have the means to move forward successfully. My service to the country will not be as a candidate or as the nominee. Acknowledging this now is in the best interest of those in the campaign. It's in the best interest of this party as we seek to unify around a nominee, bro. It's in the best interest of the country. And then he says that it's all about him fighting. This campaign was about him fighting fear by threatening to take away your gun and destroy your church. He says, I decided to run for president because I believed. I could help bring a divided country together in common cause brought to confront the greatest set of challenges we've ever faced. It's always funny to me when people say things like we're confronting the greatest set of challenges we've ever faced. Our unemployment rate is 3.6%. During the Great Depression, our unemployment rate was like 20. We are not segregating our schools or our water fountains. We're not having a civil war. We're not having race riots against black people in Tulsa. We're not having Vietnam War era riots. Really, like the biggest challenge our country has ever faced is a guy you don't like being president because he says weird things on Twitter like that. That's the Democrat pitch. He says, I knew that the most fundamental of our challenges is fear, the fear that Donald Trump wants us to feel about one another, the very real fear that too many in this country live under, the fear we sometimes feel when it comes to doing the right thing, especially when it runs counter to what is politically convenient or popular. I know I still know. We can reject and overcome those fears and choose instead to be defined by our ambitions and our ability to achieve them. And he kind of like flicks his locks out of his face and continues, we should be proud of what we fought for and what we were able to achieve. What you're able to achieve is one of the worst presidential campaigns in modern American history. You started off at near double digits and you ended like before Cory Booker's campaign ended. Like Tulsi Gabbard, is, Amy Klobuchar is still running and Beto is out, which is not what you would have actually predicted. And again, that's because Beto was so concerned with earning the love of the media that he forgot that that was not a thing that was going to happen and that what made him popular in the first place was that he was campaigning as moderate. He made the Pete Buttigieg mistake. Now, Buttigieg has recovered from his original mistake. So Buttigieg's original mistake, he came into the race, got all sorts of plaudits, was an interesting candidate. I, on this show, said that Pete Buttigieg was an interesting candidate. And then Buttigieg immediately flipped into this sort of far-left, crazy towns, all Christians are bad if they think that same-sex marriage is morally a problem. He, he moved over there, and immediately his support started to recede. Then he started attacking Elizabeth Warren, and his support started to rise again. Beto jumped into the race, and he was considered sort of a moderate alternative to Ted Cruz in Texas. And suddenly he was like, I'm taking all your guns. I'm saying all the things Democratic voters want me to say. So that is—and and it failed. It failed for him. Here is the key. He says, at this moment of truth for our country, we laid bare the cost and consequence of Donald Trump, the rise in hate crimes. By the way, the rise in hate crimes— It is unclear whether there has actually been a dramatic spike in hate crimes. There are more reporting agencies, so the stats on that are not clear at all. The terror attack in El Paso, the perversion of the Constitution, the diminished standing of the U.S. around the world. But we also made clear the common responsibility to confront him, to hold him accountable, ensure he does not serve another term in office. Committing ourselves to this task, not as Democrats or Republicans, but as Americans first before we are anything else. So, yeah, Beto is done. And as I say, he can return back to eating, what was it, New Mexican dirt after he lost to Ted Cruz. He literally went to New Mexico, picked up dirt and ate it. So I guess now he's going to move on to like Utah or something. I don't know. There, there are plenty of types of dirt. So Beto is out. So now the question becomes, who is still in? Now, what's been funny about a lot of this campaign is that the person who's being ignored more and more is Bernie Sanders. The latest poll has Bernie up in New Hampshire. The latest poll numbers have Bernie pretty stable. His health issues are obviously a problem for him. The fact that he had a heart attack in the middle of the campaign and he's 1 million years old, that is not helpful to him. But the media, as I say, because the media are trying to dictate who exactly is leading this race right now, they've decided to boil down this race to Elizabeth Warren and the fourth-tier candidate, right? The fourth candidate in the polls, Pete Buttigieg. We'll get to all that in just a second. First, we got to talk about upgrading employees. So as I say, I just came back from Israel and that meant it was time to upgrade the employee base. Rob, one of our producers, he's been great. I mean, we love Rob. Rob is great, but something about, Rob just had to move to other shows, that's all. I mean, he had to go work on our other shows because the fact is we wanted to, either raise the quality of those shows or alternatively raise the quality of our own by losing Rob. So Rob is moving on to other shows. How are we going to replace Rob? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter.com is the way that you can get a qualified candidate incredibly quickly. With results... It's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com DailyWire. That's ZipRecruiter.com D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E, ZipRecruiter.com DailyWire. Make sure that your employees are the best employees you can find. Don't get stuck with somebody like Rob. Toss him on one of your other shows and then go find somebody else who's even better than Rob. I'm not going to say names like Rebecca, but find somebody else who's even better than Rob. Check them out at ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Go check them out. Make your business better. And even if you're not getting rid of somebody like Rob, you know, which is a smart move. Instead, what you should do is you should go hire even better employees in the future at ZipRecruiter.com. Alrighty. So, as I say, when it comes to the Democratic primaries, to reiterate, it's about media control. They threw Beto out. They brought him in. They threw him out. And they were the ones who built him up. And then they tore him down. It was kind of fun to watch, I will admit. Well, now they're building up Pete Buttigieg. And Mayor Pete, I don't know whether he's delusional or what the story is. Like, Mayor Pete is actually coming out now and saying that the race is between him and Elizabeth Warren, which is a real weird take considering that in the national polling, here's the, here's the national polling, okay? The latest from, from ABC News, latest national polling, Joe Biden 29, or t- sorry, 27, Joe Biden 27, Elizabeth Warren 21, Bernie Sanders 19, Pete Buttigieg 7. In the national polling, Pete Buttigieg is all the way down there at seven. And yet Pete Buttigieg has somehow gotten the misimpression that he is a top tier candidate, that he is like the hot new thing who's actually going to challenge. Now, listen, I know that Matt Drudge over at Drudge Report is really high on Buttigieg's candidacy, right? He's been pushing Buttigieg's candidacy. He's been suggesting that Buttigieg is about to experience a wave. You are seeing some Buttigieg results in places like Iowa, where suddenly he looks a little bit more competitive than he does nationally. Right, if you look at the the Iowa polling right now, it's got Pete Buttigieg in second in the Real Clear Politics poll average. It's got Warren at twenty two and Buttigieg at seventeen and Biden at sixteen in New Hampshire. However, Buttigieg is all the way down at eight in those in those numbers. Right, it's Warren twenty five, Biden twenty one, Sanders twenty, Buttigieg eight, and then in the future states in the, in the further states, it's it's Buttigieg like nothing. Right, Buttigieg does not have any support. So basically, Buttigieg is running a strong campaign in Iowa and nothing beyond that. But Buttigieg has declared himself. The second place candidate, basically, it's between him and Elizabeth Warren, which, by the way, is kind of smart. He's posing himself as the alternative to Joe Biden. He's trying to say that he's the moderate in the race. Now, that's not really true. Buttigieg is a radical who pretends to be a moderate, and he's quite good at doing that because we've seen radical Buttigieg and we've seen moderate Buttigieg. We've seen both of them, right? He he will say radical things on foreign policy, and then he will immediately say a, a non-radical thing on foreign policy. He'll say, I'll eat a Chick-fil-A, and then he'll say, all Christians are bad people. He, he will do this this sort of, Back and forth all the time, and so posing himself as the anti-Warren, as the alternative to slow old Joe, it's smart marketing by Buttigieg, but it is delusional for him to say, as he did over the weekend, that the race is now down to him and Elizabeth Warren. I mean, the guy is—he's running way behind Bernie. Right? Bernie is still a human being who exists, and Joe Biden is still your national poll leader at this point. Here's Bo- Pete Buttigieg. This is this is clip five, saying that it's down to two candidates, him and Elizabeth Warren, which is like, really? And so it's like me saying that the title of best basketball player on the planet is down to LeBron James and me. Like It feels like there's some people right in the middle that you're sort of ignoring right there, like a lot of people who are good at basketball. Here is, the, uh, here is Pete Buttigieg being delusional. I think this is getting to be a two-way. It's early to say it. I'm not saying it is a two-way, but I think- But you see um, that. You see it's coming into focus, you and Warren. Yeah, and certainly a world where we're getting somewhere is that world, where it's coming down to the two of us. Obviously, there's a lot of candidates and a lot of things can happen, but I think that as that happens, the contrasts become clearer. Look, the the contrasts are real. Uh, They're substantive, respectful policy contrasts, but they're real. First of all, it's interesting you say that, right? So you accept the notion right now that it's kind of Warren against the field, really. someone's trying to become the 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 alternative to warren right now right yeah i think it's it's shaping up that way okay so he is right that it is Warren against the field because the media have truly built her up in amazing ways the fact that he thinks that he is the alternative and not joe biden is pretty delusional and and fairly telling it is smart of him to set it up that way again like it's is the delusion purpose like does he actually believe that or is he just posing it that way he is going after elizabeth warren so Buttigieg also suggested that like he went after Warren's healthcare system proposal over the weekend. And this is what he has been doing consistently. Like in Iowa, the Iowa Democratic Party had a fundraising dinner and it turned into fisticuffs between Warren and Buttigieg. According to the New York Times report, the Washington Post, Dan Bowles over at the Washington Post reporting, it said, Warren is widely regarded as the candidate to beat in Iowa. Her organization is currently judged as the best in the field. Her disciplined campaign style has helped provide the edge she currently enjoys. However, Buttigieg is gaining. They say Buttigieg started slowly. His campaign initially consisted of four people. His organization was late to get moving. Despite successes, the candidacy of the 37-year-old mayor of the city of 100,000 continues to face skepticism about its long-term durability, particularly over his ability to attract support from African-Americans. He has no black level of support. Neither does Elizabeth Warren, by the way. Joe Biden continues to dominate in that category. But in Iowa, Buttigieg has been rising rapidly of late. His team is upbeat. Judge's sense of confidence was on display in an interview that he filmed. That's the one that we just showed, showing that he says that it's down to Buttigieg and Warren. So he spoke on Friday night, and he delivered his thematic rationale for his candidacy. He said, I will not waver from my commitment to our values or back down from the boldness of our ideas, but I will also not tired from the effort to include everyone in the future we're trying to build, progressives, moderates, and Republicans of conscience, are ready for a change. And then he attacked Warren directly. He said, we will fight when we must fight, but I will never allow us to get so wrapped up in the fighting. We start to think fighting is the point. The point is what lies on the other side of the fight. What lies on the other side of that fight is the hope of an American experience, not just not defined by exclusion, but by belonging. That is what we are here to deliver. Then Warren got on stage and she basically said that Buttigieg is not progressive enough. This is the problem for Elizabeth Warren. The problem for Elizabeth Warren is that she is deeply inauthentic. That is the big problem for Elizabeth Warren. And Buttigieg can take advantage of that. The problem for Buttigieg is he's also inauthentic, right? Sometimes he seems moderate. Sometimes he's progressive. Warren is really inauthentic and her inauthenticity is going to cost her. So she got up on stage at the Wells Fargo Arena and she said, anyone who comes on this stage and doesn't understand that we are already in a fight is not the person who's going to win that fight. Anyone who comes on this stage and tells you they can make change without a fight is not going to win that fight. Anyone who comes on this stage and tells you to dream small and give up early is not going to lead our party to victory. This is a time of crisis and media pundits, Washington insiders, even some people on our own party don't want to admit it. They think that running some vague campaign that nibbles around the edges is somehow safe. Fear and complacency does not win elections. Hope and courage wins elections. And so she's, she's painting Buttigieg as a, a sort of moderate, waffling, vague person and herself as this progressive champion. Well, the problem for Elizabeth Warren is that that's all fun and games until you actually look at her plans because Elizabeth Warren was not this person, right? She's campaigning as Bernie Sanders light and getting attention as this progressive wonk, even though she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. Elizabeth Warren is not wearing well. Those national polls, right? In the state polls, she continues to do well because the media have built her up and because she has a good organization. In national polling, she has certainly receded in the past few weeks. It's impossible to miss it if you look at the national-level polling. And that's because the more she says, the more people don't like her. Right, Buttigieg, again, is smart to draw the contrast with Warren. He's crazy if he thinks that there aren't other candidates in the race. But it's it's smart of him to do this. Okay, Kamala Harris, for example, pointing out that Buttigieg is naive. Like She's like, I'm polling nearly the same as Buttigieg. I'm at like 4%, and Pete Buttigieg is at like 7%. What the hell is he talking about? This is a two-person race. Here's Kamala Harris ripping into Pete Buttigieg. There were some curious comments by Mayor Pete Buttigieg this weekend. It's, he's trying to suggest now that this is becoming a two-person race between him and Senator Warren. Well, I think that that's just, a, um, it's naive for him to think that at this point, that the fate of this election has been determined. Just look at history. He might need to review past elections to know that what's happening right now um, is not necessarily determinative of the outcome. OK, so so obviously, you know, all the other Democratic candidates are looking around going, really, is is this the case? But the problem is for the, So each of these candidates now has problems. Right? Beto's problem is he was completely media dependent. So he is gone. Biden is not media dependent, which is why his campaign has remained durable, despite the fact that he's incredibly bad at this. Warren's candidacy is media dependent. If the media ever decide that they are sick of Elizabeth Warren, she is gone. She's out. Right now, the media may not decide. They may decide that she is the best we have to offer and they're going to stick behind her even though her plans are absolute garbage. Or they may shift over to Buttigieg. Or they could shift over to Kamala Harris. In other words, this race is still very much in flux. If the media decides to throw their support behind another candidate, if Kamala Harris has a good debate. By the way, it is beyond me why Kamala Harris is not going after Elizabeth Warren. It is an absolute fool's mission not to go after Elizabeth Warren if you are Kamala Harris. And I'll explain why in just one second. First, Let's talk about the underwear that currently grace your Tuchas. The ones on my tuhas are phenomenal. I mean, as I say, I took a 16-hour flight. You know why that was comfortable? It was comfortable because I was wearing Tommy John underwear. Tommy John are the revolutionary clothing brand that has redefined comfort for Americans everywhere, including for me personally. Tommy John obsesses over every little detail and stitch by using proprietary fabrics that perform like nothing you have ever worn before. As a result... Tommy John's men's and women's underwear sport a no-edgy guarantee, comfortable stay-put waistbands, and a range of fabrics that are luxuriously soft, feather-light, moisture-wicking, breathable, designed to move with you, not against you. That means no bunching, no riding up. Tommy John is so confident in their underwear, as they should be. If you don't love your first pair, you can get a full refund with their best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free. Guarantee. If you want to go to stores, they're available in 1,200 retail locations across the country, including Nordstrom's. Tommy John, no adjustment needed. By the way, great for men, great for women. My my, my wife wears Tommy John as well. Supremely, supremely well-engineered, comfortable stuff. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Ben for 20% off your first order. That is TommyJohn.com slash Ben for 20% off. Again, TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Best underwear you'll ever wear, bar none, TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Okay, so as I say, the target is now being set on Elizabeth Warren's back, and it should be. It should be. like, It's not a two-person race by any stretch of the imagination. As we will see, Bernie Sanders is still a candidate, despite the fact that Bernie is insane and wild and crazy. Ilhan Omar, actually, over the weekend, Bernie Sanders continues to draw huge crowds, like 14,000, 15,000 people to various arenas. He did an event in Minnesota with Ilhan Omar, you know, the radically anti-Semitic, awful, awful human being of a congressperson in Minnesota. Ilhan Omar actually made the pledge that Bernie Sanders will, quote, fight against Western imperialism, right? Like she's now promising that Bernie Sanders is going to fight against America because when Ilhan Omar says Western imperialism, what she means is America being in any sense the the sort of hegemon around the world guaranteeing world security and safety, which has been the reality since World War II and has basically kept the world from devolving into cataclysmic warfare over the course of the last 75 years. And she's very much against this, and that means that she is pro-Bernie Sanders. Here is Ilhan Omar making the case for Bernie Sanders. I am beyond honored and excited for a president who will fight against Western imperialism and fight for a just world. By fighting against Western imperialism, she means not putting sanctions on Turkey, not putting sanctions on Iran, not putting sanctions on Venezuela, Instead, fighting against Israel, fighting against Europe, fighting against America's involvement around the world to guarantee safety and security. That guy, Bernie Sanders, is still drawing in third place numbers, right? He's still going in the national polling, Biden, Warren, Bernie. So all of the Buttigieg talk is a little bit early. But the real focus is on Warren. And as I say, her candidacy is still vulnerable. Like there's still time here. Her candidacy is vulnerable because she is not, in fact, a good candidate. Dirty little secret. She's not. Now, she's much more disciplined than Hillary Clinton. She's less off-putting as a human being than Hillary Clinton. Also, Hillary Clinton, you know, people are saying she's very different from Hillary. She's mostly different from Hillary in that we knew Hillary Clinton. We'd known Hillary Clinton since 1992 when she was pushing Medicare for All, right? When she was pushing Bernie Sanders' health care plan in 1992, and so we've had we had 25 full years of we think Hillary Clinton stinks, like a quarter century of everyone despising Hillary Clinton when she ran in 2016. Elizabeth Warren is newfangled. She she's sort of come onto the scene only since 2008. Even that was sort of a reinvention of an earlier Elizabeth Warren. The problem is the more you see of Elizabeth Warren, the less there is to see. The more you see, she, she's sort of, as as Gertrude Stein said of San Francisco, there's no there there. When it comes to Elizabeth Warren, there's no real there there. Now, everything she says about herself has turned out not to be completely true. Or at the very least, there are serious questions to be asked about. It. I'm talking about everything from when I was a young woman, I was fired when I was pregnant, and that's what it's like for women. And it turns out that actually they unanimously offered to rehire her and then she walked away or, for, or to, to her Native American shtick. By the way, if you think that, that story is over, you're wrong. The Native American, her, her, this is why I say Kamala Harris not attacking Elizabeth Warren is patently insane. It's patently insane as a campaign strategy. Like Kamala Harris went after Joe Biden because she was trying to draw the black support. But the fact is that Biden is sort of a stand in for not any of these other people. Biden is not his own candidate. Nobody thinks of Joe Biden as like, I love Joe Biden. It's like, well, I guess he's the alternative to these schmucks. So I guess we'll vote for Joe Biden. So in reality, Kamala should be attacking Elizabeth Warren if she were smart. And that's particularly to run the Native American issue. How is it that we are now like eight debates into this cycle and no one has asked Elizabeth Warren why she claimed to be Native American for decades, for decades, like on official forms. And if you think that that had no impact in her hiring at Harvard Law, you know, they say, oh, we've released all the documents showing it had no impact. Sure, sure. She was hired right in the middle of a massive racial scandal at Harvard Law School in which professors like Derek Bell were threatening to quit their jobs unless Harvard Law hired more minority professors. And in all the early press releases, she was championed as a minority professor. She was championed as a Native American professor, according to David French, over at uh, used to be over at National Review. So the fact is that Elizabeth Warren has been using, inter- she used for 25 years, 30 years, intersectional stolen vowel. She pretended she's a victim of the American society when she is whiter than the backside of this piece of paper right here. I mean, she's supremely white and she pretended to be a minority. How has Kamala Harris not attacked her on that? How has Kamala Harris said, you know, some of us have actually had to overcome racial discrimination in America. And she can go back to the, I was in, a, in a, an integrated school through busing and all of this. What did you have to go through except for pretending to be Native American so that you could get a job? I mean, wh- why, why exactly has she never done that? To, it's, beyond, it's beyond reason. And as we'll see, she could also attack her on her on her plans like Pete Buttigieg has very successfully and to and and to a great degree of, of benefit attacked Elizabeth Warren's plans. And as we'll see over the weekend, Elizabeth Warren finally papered her Medicare for all plan. And it's completely insane. It's utterly nuts. Like, everybody in the world, right, left, and center, is looking at this plan and going, this does not square with reality in any way, shape, or form, which is opening up the field for Buttigieg, and presumably, for Kamala Harris, if she actually wanted to take that, that. Like, I think that there will be, before the end of this race, another Kamala Harris upswing. I think the chances that the media are happy with this super white, top-heavy Democrat field, I, I don't think they like it. I think the media are—if Kamala Harris could actually break through with any of this stuff, I think they'd be willing to go back to her in absolute heartbeat, but— We'll get to Elizabeth Warren's garbage Medicare for All plan, which is just completely made up in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that when you're driving around, you look around there are just tons of types of car on the road and then a part in your car breaks. And you're like, OK, what should what should I do now? Because if I go to the local auto parts store, what are the chances they have the exact part that I need made for this exact car? I'm beyond my warranty over at the dealer. So what should I do? Well, the answer is you should go check out the interwebs and use rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog, it's super easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and filter by brand, specification, and price. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. They've got amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Go check them out right now at rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. That helps us because then they continue to know that we are directing people to them and it helps them so they know that they're spending their advertising dollars well and it helps you because rockauto.com is going to give you great service. Go check them out at rockauto.com and write Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box. Okay, so... We're going to get to Elizabeth Warren's plan for Medicare for All in just one second. It is absolute, sheer, numbskullery and garbage. It's just terrible. And everybody knows it. Which means that there's still Time Media. You could decide to refocus in on somebody who could actually not be a crazy person. Amy Klobuchar is still standing right there. Kamala Harris is more intersectional than Elizabeth Warren and isn't a fake minority. So you could, you could do that. We'll get to that in just one second. First, head on over to dailywire.com and subscribe. We have a brand new app over at Daily Wire. It is phenomenal. You should check it out. And... When you subscribe, you get all the benefits of that app. That means that we do like these live Q&As where you can ask me questions. It's like a Reddit thread and I will answer you personally. It means that you can be part of our mailbags that we do here on Fridays. It means that you can get access to all of our behind the scenes stuff. It means you can get access to all three hours of the show daily. Like you love the podcast, you want two additional hours every day because there's plenty more material where this came from. Let me tell you, there's a lot going on in this head. You can go check that out over at dailywire.com for $9.99 a month or $99 a year. Brings you this, the very greatest in all beverage vessels, the Leftist Tears Hot or Cold tumbler. Look at this. Cast your eyes upon this magnificence. You could have it. It could be yours. $99 a year cheaper than the monthly. Also, it helps support us against the nastiness of a left that seeks to deplatform everyone they don't like. You become part of the team and help us bring you the content that you seek. Go check us out right now at dailywire.com. We are the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Alrighty, so Elizabeth Warren finally releases her Medicare for All plan. And people have been wondering, you know, you keep lying about this stuff. Elizabeth Warren has been asked 12 ways from Sunday how she's going to pay for $32 trillion over 10 years for her Medicare for All plan. And she keeps going, the wealth tax, the wealth tax isn't going to pay for it. She keeps saying, you know, increases in the marginal income. No, that's not going to do it either. You're going to need to radically escalate taxes on the middle class. Everyone knows this. Bernie Sanders is smart enough to admit this publicly. Even Pete Buttigieg, who is proposing what he calls Medicare... Medicare for some, meaning Medicare for any who want it, a public option. Even he says he would probably have to hike middle class taxes. Even Pete Buttigieg is honest enough to acknowledge that. Here's Buttigieg explaining that he's not going to guarantee no middle class tax hike. Everything that we have proposed has been paid for, and we have proposed no uh, tax increase on the middle class. We don't have to do it in order to deliver these health care solutions. There is a lot of money on the table from uh, loopholes in the corporate tax system, from the wealthiest among us who could and should pay more. And uh, we don't have to look to the middle class in order to solve these problems. But it also means making sure that we make promises we can keep. Okay, so that is Judge basically acknowledging he's going to raise taxes on everybody. Warren has been the only one who says I'm not going to raise taxes on everybody because she's a damned liar and she's inauthentic. She's radically inauthentic. She went from school voucher proponent in 2003 to I'm going to eliminate charter schools in 2019. She went from I am a moderate on issues of... of two income families and, and trying to create solutions from them to we need to corporate and we, we need to take over every major corporation in America and stack their board right she, she is she has radically moved her positions on everything she's deeply unauthentic and that becomes clear when you actually dive into the details of her plan So she releases this Medicare for all plan and it's just absolute nonsense Megan McArdle over at the Washington Post details this she says the math is the math for Warren's health plan adds up if you accept its ludicrous premise she says, After months of pressure on Friday, Warren finally released her comprehensive Medicare for all plan, which promises lower costs for everyone paid for by taxes on corporations and the rich. The good news is the math adds up as long as you buy her assumptions. The bad news is that Warren's assumptions are crazier than keeping a pet rhinoceros after which who cares that her calculator works. (laughs) This is to actual policymaking as the plastic noodles in a ramen bar window is to lunch. To wit, Warren says she can deliver a generous Medicare for all plan with only $20.5 trillion in additional federal spending. That is a quarter to a third less than any serious estimate of the plan from outside her campaign. How will she get there? Why? By slashing administrative costs and then mandating that everything else costs less. Warren is not exactly the first progressive reformer to have the same idea. And if she pushes forward with it, she'll be but the next line in a next in a long line to discover she can't make it work politically or economically. As Philip Klein of the Washington Examiner dryly noted, Warren could just as well have written that Mexico was going to pay for her big, beautiful plan. Warren's revenue ideas are, if anything, even more exquisitely incredible. Take her proposed wealth taxes. No, not the 3% ultra-millionaire wealth tax she has already pledged, but an entirely new 3% tax on all wealth over a billion dollars. The tax would, says Warren, raise a trillion dollars over 10 years. The assumption is typical of her whole plans, says Megan McArdle. Because on one level the math does work, the U.S. has about 600 billionaires, and by my calculation, the total value of their wealth taxable assets would be something under $3 trillion dollars. 3% of that collected 10 times should indeed yield nearly $1 trillion. On another, more important level, the idea is ludicrous in terms of the tax code and basic common sense. After adding in the ultra-millionaire's tax and factoring in the other capital taxes Warren wants to levy on financial transactions, on unrealized capital gains, on corporations, we'd be asking every billionaire to hand over more than two-thirds of their total wealth over a 10-year period. If the government actually managed to collect it, their fortunes would rapidly erode, and so would tax collections. The plan might be a good way to smash wealth, but it is a terrible way to fund the nation's healthcare system. The best you can say for all of this is none of this will ever happen. Okay, Charles Blauhaus over at E21, Economics 21, goes into this in more detail. He says, to summarize, the Warren proposal understates Medicare for all's cost as quantified by multiple credible studies at a, by about 34.2%. So basically, she's just saying Medicare for all will cost two thirds of what people say it will, which is just insane. It's insane. The the Medicare for all proposal put forward by Bernie Sanders is likely wildly underestimating the cost of Medicare for all. Why? Because either you're going to have to radically raise reimbursement rates. Medicare right now pays about 80% of reimbursement rates for doctors cost. Either they're going to have to blackmail doctors into taking that, in which case many doctors will leave the profession, or they're going to have to radically increase the rates of reimbursement, which means that the cost is going to be a lot higher than what they're talking about right now. Another 11.2% of the cost would be met by cutting payments to health providers, such as physicians and hospitals. So in other words, they're just going to reimburse doctors and hospitals at lower rates, which good luck with that. Good luck with that. Hospitals are already getting underpaid by Medicare, which is why they've radically raised what they charge insurance companies for everybody else's care. Basically, if you are in private insurance, you are subsidizing Medicare. Medicare costs are lower because private insurers are paying more money. It's that simple. Approximately 20% of the financing is sought by tapping sources that are unavailable for various reasons. For example, because she has already committed that funding to other priorities. So basically, she's also double counting. She's saying, I took funding, used it for this, but I'm also going to use it for Medicare for all. So then he breaks it down. He says that the cost of Medicare for all used by Elizabeth Warren are completely insane. He says, for this piece's comparison purposes, it really should cost $38 trillion. $38 trillion. Only if we use that number can we quantify the amount of savings Warren aims to generate from provider payment cuts. So, in other words, she's just making things up. And then she suggests that she is going to lower provider payment cuts by like 11%, which would reduce the spending from $37.6 trillion to $33.4 trillion. And then the Warren campaign memo provides a cost estimate of $21 trillion over 10 years. That is wildly out of line with the Urban Institute, which is not a right-wing center, the Center for Health and Economy, the RAND Corporation, and Ken Thorpe. So how exactly is she doing this? By just fungi I mean, she's just falsifying the numbers. She's simply falsifying the numbers. She, As we say, she is, she is literally double counting where she is spending this money. So, even, even Saturday Night Live began to get annoyed with this over the weekend. When you've lost Saturday Night Live and you're Elizabeth Warren, and they spend their entire time basically on SNL is now spent with them massaging Elizabeth Warren's political shoulders. Here is SNL over the weekend, basically mocking the fact that Warren's plans don't add up and make no sense. You said your plan would cost 20.5 trillion, but other economists have said it could cost 34 trillion. Right. Okay. Let me stop you right there. And we're talking trillions. You know, when the numbers are this big, they're they're just pretend. <laughs> they're, there ain't no Scrooge McDuck vault. You're, uh, you ready to get red pilled? Money doesn't exist. It's just a promise from a computer. You might as well say it costs 13 over 12 10. 10. You know, same difference. Okay, so. SNL may actually believe that, but that's actually, but it, it's it's true. I mean, this is Elizabeth Warren's plan. She's also a devotee of modern monetary theory, which is the idea that money actually really doesn't exist, that you can rack up debt as much as you want, and nobody's ever going to call in that debt. So this is the point. Elizabeth Warren, her plans suck. She herself is deeply inauthentic. She has repeatedly, at the very least, fudged her past. And that means she's really vulnerable. So if the media ever decided to turn up, like people are treating her as a durable top-tier candidate, I'm not so sure that's true. Now, I don't think that the alternative is Buttigieg. I think that the alternative remains Biden because he is still the all-purpose fill-in-the-gap guy. But it does mean that Warren in a general is not going to do as well as Biden would in a general. And it means that only so long as the media decides to continue treating her as the frontrunner, will she be the frontrunner. That's really what's happened here. Okay, meanwhile, this also explains why Democrats are honing in more and more on impeachment because if it comes down to Elizabeth Warren versus Donald Trump, Trump is at least a 50-50 odds to, to, to beat Warren. Because... As I say, she's weak. She's really weak. And So the, the polls show that Democrats have been doing some heavy lifting on impeachment. There's a Fox News poll showing that 49% of Americans say they favor impeachment. Six in 10 voters believe the president did ask foreign leaders to investigate political opponents. Two-thirds say that that action is inappropriate. 49% want Trump impeached and removed from office. 4% say he should be impeached but not removed. Only 41% oppose impeaching Trump. That is the media doing heavy lifting right there, and the Democrats. That is mirrored by an NBC Wall Street Journal poll showing that 49% now back Trump's impeachment and removal. And then that is mirrored by another poll, this one from MSN, suggesting something similar, like 52% saying that they would like to see Trump impeached. Now, does that hold up over time? Does that hold up over time? Probably not. I mean, it's the top of the headlines right now. Probably if you, I'd, I'd have to look back at the polling, probably early on in the Mueller investigation, you could probably get a near majority to say they wanted Trump impeached. Over that, Democrats are really pushing this hard. James Clyburn of Congress, he says, a lot of people I talk to think that Trump committed treason. Well, I'm sure that's true. I mean, he's a Democrat. Who else is he talking to? What I'm saying is there seems to be an indication that something was going on here. There could be high crimes and misdemeanors taking place. There might even be bribery uh, taking place. And we will uh, get to the bottom of this. And then we would be able to make a determination at that time whether or not something happened, there was treasonous. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people since I've been home uh, who believe uh, that there's treasonous on the part of this president. They certainly believe some crimes have been committed. OK, so the Democrats' campaign here is going to be that, that Trump is a traitor, that Trump sold out American foreign policy. Trump, for his part, is continuing to say that there is no quid pro quo here, which, as I say, I don't think is a defense that actually holds. I think his defense should be. Yeah, it's pretty obvious there was a quid pro quo. I was pushing against corruption. My quid pro quo was the same as you guys alleged Joe Biden's quid pro quo with Ukraine was. Biden was saying he wanted a prosecutor fight, like a specific act from Ukraine he wanted in return for releasing billions of dollars in loan guarantees to Ukraine. I wanted them to fight Ukraine, including investigating Burisma. And yeah, there was a quid pro quo, but there's nothing wrong with that and just sort of own it. Instead, Trump is sticking with the with the there's no quid pro quo thing because Trump has never given an inch on anything even though he kind of should because it's more of a true story trump tweeted out false stories are being reported that a few republican senators are saying that president trump may have done a quid pro quo but it doesn't matter there's nothing wrong with that it's not an impeachable event perhaps so but read the transcript there is no quid pro quo again that is a that is a weird that is a weird defense by president trump but in the end what this is really going to come down to is the, is the perception as to whether this is a political hit job. And this I think Trump does understand. I think that Trump and the Republicans do understand that just like the Clinton impeachment didn't come down to Clinton's actual activity, right? Because Clinton clearly abetted perjury and committed perjury, right? Clinton clearly committed impeachable crimes, but that turned out to be an unpopular move for Republicans, mainly because it was felt by the American public that it was a partisan event. So Trump pushing that is going to be his best strategy right here. And he is aided in that by the fact that the media are incredibly, incredibly partisan. That the media continue to, to push in partisan fashion here. Take a perfect example. There's an article in the New York Times today called Adam Schiff. A Trump punching bag takes his case to a bigger ring. And it's a puff piece about Adam Schiff, one of the most dishonest members of Congress who spent two and a half years claiming that Donald Trump was in fact a traitor who had sold America out to Russia and would go on CNN every five seconds. He would exit his pup tent that he had set up outside the CNN green room and then go on and imply he had secret information that would lead to Trump's impeachment over the Mueller Russia stuff. None of that ever materialized. And now he's leading the impeachment inquiry. And so the New York Times is puffing him up. Cheryl Gay Stolberg and Nicholas Fendos of the New York Times writing, the crowd was buzzing with Hollywood types. The actress Patricia Arquette, the producer Norman Lear, at a private film screening on Sunset Boulevard one recent Sunday afternoon. But here in liberal America, the biggest celebrity in the room was not someone who makes a living in what people call the industry. It was Representative Adam B. Schiff, the straight-laced former federal prosecutor who was on the brink of prosecuting his biggest defendant yet. President Trump, oh, the drool just emanating from the pen of the New York Times writers. By the way, you know why Adam Schiff was the biggest person there? Because Patricia Arquette isn't a very big star and producer Norman Lear uh, has been sort of irrelevant for 40 years. In any case, he says, these are heady but perilous days for Mr. Schiff, the inscrutable and slightly nerdy chairman of the House Intelligence Committee who is the leading who is leading the impeachment inquiry into President Trump. Adored by the left, reviled by the right, he has become a Rorschach test for American politics. Depending on one's point of view, he is either going to save the republic or destroy it. Here in his home district at the screening of The Great Hack, a film about misinformation in the 2016 election, Mr. Lear introduced Mr. Schiff as a current American hero. As the audience leapt to its feet in a standing ovation, the congressman emerged from backstage in standard Washington uniform, navy blazer, white shirt, light blue tie, his manner as inoffensive as his attire. We thank them for their patriotism, Schiff said somberly, praising whistleblowers, including the anonymous one whose complaint against Mr. Trump prompted the impeachment inquiry, and we hope others will follow their courageous example. Now, Mr. Schiff 59, this is the New York Times again, just sickeningly cloying garbage here, is poised to take a much bigger stage as his inquiry moves from a secure office suite in a Capitol Hill basement into nationally televised public hearings he will make the case against Mr. Trump to a divided nation in what amounts to an epic courtroom drama meant to unveil evidence of the president's pressure campaign to enlist Ukraine to smear his political rivals, a moment that is bound to be must-watch TV. At home in his district, which stretches from West Hollywood to Pasadena and north to the San Gabriel Mountains, Mr. Schiff is well acquainted with the celebrity lifestyle. He lives with his wife, Eve. Yes, Adam and Eve. Oh, my God. God, New York Times. By the way, it's exactly the sort of stuff that will lead Repub- that will lead many Americans to reject the impeachment inquiry outright. It's exactly the sort of treatment because I don't remember when Trey Gowdy was leading the inquiry into Benghazi, this sort of glowing treatment from the New York Times. He favors vegan Chinese food. He drives an Audi whose license plate frame bears a line from the movie, The Big Lebowski. I don't roll on Chavez, from which he can quote at length. He has dabbled at screenwriting, once drafting a script that featured a prosecutor as the hero. He tried stand-up comedy too during a fundraiser at the Improv in Hollywood. But if Mr. Schiff has a sense of humor, his friends insist he does have a dry one. He rarely shows it in Washington where he has carefully cultivated his image as the stylistic and substantive opposite, uh, opposite of Mr. Trump, calm, measured, reserved, and brainy. I, uh, again, this is, I'm sorry, this is, this is absurdity. And it comes from the same New York Times that literally wrote a piece over the weekend about Trump going to a, 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 United, a, a, a an ultimate fighting championship fight in New York and about how Trump loves violence. The same New York Times that's like praising Adam Schiff to the skies. They have an article over the weekend titled, It's Not Like Trump Should Have to Watch Very Boring Sports. President by Noah Weiland. The President Trump walked onto the floor of Madison Square Garden on Saturday night from the same corner that the mixed martial arts fighters did, his own fighters at his sides. Just below 10 p.m., just before 10 p.m., Trump squeezed into a row of folding chairs below the metal fenced octagon, accompanied by the men who do his battles on Twitter, and in Congress and found a new kind of release at a moment of high tension in his presidency, a real blood-soaked stitches requiring fight. So the whole the whole piece is about how Trump loves ultimate fighting because he likes to see people hit each other. He likes to see violence, but he doesn't like to be the victim of violence. As the crowd Saturday night thrilled to the most violent kicks and punches, Mr. Trump, who was wearing a suit and tie, sat mostly stone-faced, his arms crossed but watching intently. He loves to reduce everything to a kind of elemental blood level, said Mr. D'Antonio, Trump's biographer. If there's blood that's spilled and it's not his, it's thrilling to him. Okay, so in the end, what's this going to come down to? The impeachment stuff. The impeachment stuff is going to come down to, do you trust the Democrats not to be partisan hacks or do you not? And if the answer is you don't, then likely this is going to backfire on Democrats. And if you do, then likely you want Trump impeached. It's pretty obvious, though, that the Democrats are, in fact, partisan hacks and the country is too polarized to buy into the idea that Democrats are not, especially when led by somebody like Adam Schiff in this impeachment inquiry. Okay, time for a quick thing I like, and then a quick thing that I hate, and then we'll be out of here. So things that I like today. So my good friend Dennis Prager was on Bill Maher's show, and he said some impolitic things, which is great, which is great. He was talking about how the left wing repeatedly lies about America. He got all sorts of flack on it from from Twitter, which is, a pretty good sign you're doing something right, is if Twitter hates you. So Prager said some very true things on Bill Maher. The audience laughed at him, but every word that Prager says here is true. left wing says, I'll give you gigantic lies, that the United States is a racist country. This, this is a lie. Wow. This is a gargantuan lie. This is the least racist, multicultural, multi-ethnic country in the history of the world. That these people believe it is proof to me but, about how effective lying but, but can you, be. You would have, uh, this. this is an unbelievably okay. non-racist but, country. Have you people been to Asia? Do you people okay. know that so the Japanese yes. did not allow one Vietnamese boat person into Japan okay. because they're not Japanese? But we not. allowed them into America. Okay, so Prager went off on this and he continued, right? He said, you know, this is, this is a country where the left tells people that men can be women. And you can see everybody getting very uptight. Good for Dennis. I mean, really, really good stuff from Dennis Prager on Bill Maher's show because the left has invested itself in this idea that America is a deeply awful, terrible place. And let me tell you, I, I was just abroad in Israel and Israel's a wonderful country, right? It's, it's great. America is such an amazing country. It's an amazing country. It is a country devoted to a particular creed based on the constitution and the declaration of independence. It's incredibly tolerant. And this is not a critique of Israel, okay? It's really a critique of the Palestinian authority, which governs over there with not one Jew living there, not one. Okay, the fact is that if you stack up any country in isolation, it looks bad. If you stack up America against any other place on earth, America is unbelievably wonderful. Just an incredible, incredible country. So good for Dennis for saying all of that. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. Okay, so a couple of stories that are, that are just insane. So over the weekend, I, I just want to point out the irony here. Over the weekend, McDonald's CEO, Steve Easterbrook, Step down. Why? Well, because he had a relationship with an employee and he said it was a mistake. According to the Associated Press, McDonald's chief executive officer has been pushed out of the company after violating company policy by engaging in a consensual relationship with an employee. The fast food giant said former president and CEO Steve Easterbrook demonstrated poor judgment and that McDonald's forbids managers from having romantic relationships with direct or indirect subordinates. Easterbrook acknowledged he had a relationship with an employee. He said it was a mistake. He said, given the values of the company, I agree with the board. It is time for me to move on. And now the reason this goes in things I hate as opposed to things I like, I think it's fine, is because the media five seconds ago were claiming that if Katie Hill, the Democratic representative from California who was half her staff, that if Katie Hill had been a man, no one would have cared what she did. Hey, let me tell you, it is worse to lose a job as the CEO of McDonald's than it is to lose your congressional seat. Like a lot worse. Okay, that's a that's a way better job and a better paying job. Just to point out the media's hypocrisy here, They're not going to walk back any of the crap they said about Katie Hill in the aftermath of the head of McDonald's being forced to resign because he had sex with a subordinate. Okay, other things that I hate today. This is another astonishing story in the gender wars that are being fought by the left. According to the UK Daily Mail, a birth coach has now been ostracized by her professional organization after transgender activists branded as offensive, a Facebook post in which she said that only women can have babies. Okay, you ready for something super offensive? Only women can have babies. Deal with it. Deal with it. Only biological women can have babies. And there is no other type of woman. Okay, there is no other type of woman. Because any other standard you set for a woman is completely fungible and makes no sense. If you ever want to bewilder a transgender right activist, just ask, what is a woman? What is a woman? Because if they say it's a set of attributes, then they have now bought into sexist perceptions of what womanhood is supposed to constitute. You can't have it both ways. Either Either womanhood is a set of attributes like how you dress and how you act, in which case, I guess you're a sexist which you reject, right? You say all of these gender norms are socially constructed or gender is not a societal construct. It's biologically based, in which case there is no case to be made that a dude with a with a penis is actually a woman. Okay, but this woman said something fairly obvious, which is that men cannot give birth. By the way, if men could give birth, man, that is small, that would be extraordinarily painful. But Lindsay McCarthy Calver, 45, was forced to stand down as the spokesperson for Doula UK and has since resigned altogether from the National Organization for Birth Coaches. Her exit comes after transgender rights activists triggered an investigation in which Doula UK concluded her message breached its equality and diversity guidelines. They did not expel the mother of four who's been a doula for six years, but threatened to suspend her unless she deleted the post. She did, but then she resigned, believing that Doula UK had acquiesced to demands from a small number of activists and failed to stand up for women's rights. She said, I'm angry and sad. I was effectively ostracized for saying I am a woman and so are my clients. I've been very disappointed by Dula UK's response. The leadership are paralyzed by not wanting to accept transgender rights activists. They have fallen over themselves to acquiesce to their demands. So what exactly happened? Well, the Dula UK row started after Cancer Research UK dropped the word women from its smear test campaign, saying instead that screening was relevant for everyone aged 25 to 64 with a cervix. I love that. So the the Cancer Research UK was telling people, women to get pap smears, but then they said, well, not just women can have past Let me tell you, if you try it on a man, it's going to be very uncomfortable and you have to come from a different direction. So that is not a reality. In response, McCarthy Calvert posted a photograph on Facebook of a negligee-glad woman somersaulting underwear with the wording, I am not a cervix owner. I am not a menstruator. I am not a feeling. I am not defined by wearing a dress and lipstick. I am a woman, an adult human female. Beneath it, she wrote, women birth all the people, make up half the population, but less than a third of the seats in the House of Commons are occupied by us. She claimed that women were accused of transphobia more than men, arguing men were not subjected to cries of bigotry and transphobia when they say they don't want to have sex with a woman with a penis. Most trans women have not had their male genitalia removed. Okay, now, first of all, that last part is true, right? If you say that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, let me testify from firsthand experience. You will get an enormous amount of flack if you're a dude. But she is right that feminists are being basically ripped on, I think, I think, if you're a feminist and you say this stuff, you will get run out of town. Why? Because you're perceived as a member of the left and the left polices its own with the the standards of Stalin. And so she's being tossed out of an organization for pointing out that, yes, by the way, women are the ones who give birth. Insanity. This is the world the left wants, apparently. Good luck with it. All right, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. But you should subscribe so you can see the additional two hours. We have good stuff to talk about. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Klavan Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Robert Sterling, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Karamina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Big news in the 2020 Democratic presidential primary. And I'm not talking about Beto O'Rourke's dropping out. Because nobody ever actually cared about Beto O'Rourke except for the media. And they're wrong about everything. I'm talking about Elizabeth Warren releasing the details of her health care plan, which costs roughly 50 bazillion dollars. We will get into the economics of it and examine the broader strategy of the Warren campaign. She thinks you're a bunch of idiots. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First,